You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. When you read a book, particularly a novel, it's easy to get immersed in the narrative and forget that the writer is out there with a toolkit, picking up prose pliers and spanners to assemble those words one by one into the sleek vehicle that carries you away into the reading experience. All the protocols that help a writer assemble mere words into something far greater than mere words are so familiar to most readers that they've become invisible. Similes, metaphors, dialogue, plot points, characterization, narrative perspectives, that whole mess of things with which a writer crafts the whole of a story, a book, a novel, they vanish the second we actually start reading the first paragraph. But what if there are no paragraphs? Lycanthropes first came out of the native tribes in the Northwest, foreign legends say from a native thirst for a superior warrior. But when the weather turned, their packs were wiped out, knifed and skinned in fear as Native American witch hunts took on their destruction as a sacred healing mission. On a hundred nights, surrounded and fighting mad, pack after pack were driven into drought-dry woods, where they were all burned down to smoldering stumps. What happens when the primary tool a writer uses is so unfamiliar to readers that a glance at the page makes it glaringly obvious that the reader is being written to? Sharp Teeth by Toby Barlow is written in free verse. With the first line on the first page, readers are made aware that they're engaged in an unnatural act, that of reading. Let's sing about the man there at the breakfast table. The first lines I wrote of the book are the, uh, are the first lines in the book, uh, which are, you know, let's sing about that man there. And to me, it was a, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke and, and reference to Homer. Um, I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of the Iliad. I'm an enormous fan of the Odyssey. So it seemed to me a, a, a worthy ambition to say, let's sing about something else. Let's sing about the dog catcher. Um, so it's a song of a common man in a very uncommon situation. But beyond the line breaks, Sharp Teeth is an otherwise normal novel, albeit one that's filled with blood, mystery, and some very engaging love stories that even a guy can truly appreciate. Well, beginning with a love story was, I think, a, a, a good way to begin, uh, because then you, you had to stay true to that. That was the cornerstone of the book. The plotting for Sharp Teeth is complicated, but not overly unusual, beyond the fact that many of the characters are werewolves. Anthony, the man at the breakfast table, is looking for a job and manages to pick up one as a dog catcher. That night, he meets a woman at a bar who buys him a drink, and she seems both interesting and interested. Lark is the male leader of a pack of werewolves. The woman with whom Anthony had a drink used to be the lone female in Lark's pack, but her departure removes the center from their carefully constructed social hierarchy, as does the discovery that there are other packs in L.A., People die, and a lone cop starts to sense that something's amiss with the dog catchers and the dogs. He gets phone calls directing his attention to Lark, Anthony, the woman. Paths cross, double cross, and converge. Dogs play bridge, and people die. This is a novel about werewolves, but it doesn't limit itself with lots of genre trappings. The supernatural is handled with total restraint and vivid clarity. Barlow's editor at HarperCollins, Jennifer Barth, says that Sharp Teeth is not a horror novel. And it centers around a group of werewolves. Um, But they're not your grandmother's werewolves. They are, you know, the full moon has nothing to do with their change. It's, uh, there is a turf war for dominance of uh, the meth industry, among others, in the underworld. And 
the different packs of werewolves are battling one another for territory, for um, revenge in some cases. Much of the time, they uh, take the form of men. Barlow's hidden world of werewolves lies comfortably under the real world. Barlow uses the supernatural tropes with the same ease and intent that he uses the free verse format to tell an exciting story in an exciting manner. Because the plot for Sharp Teeth is complex, even for a supernatural mystery, readers need great characters to rein in their attention. Barlow succeeds at creating and managing a large cast of characters, some of whom are merely human. Threading all these characters together are superbly crafted emotional ties that keep the reader riveted no matter where or with whom you are in the story. For all the complexity, for all the well-wrought emotion that Barlow brings to Sharp Teeth, free verse proves to be the perfect format. The cantos, I guess you'd call them, are like super short chapters. This makes the book alarmingly easy to read, and it reads like lightning. It looks like free verse, and you're just going to have to get past that hurdle. It's a little intimidating when people pick it up in bookstores and they look at it and they go, oh, poetry, it feels like the Norton Anthology or something. And uh, instead, I think, you know, once they get into it, they discover it just kind of whips along. Um, so I sort of, the book is tricky because we have to overcome people's hesitations towards poetry and verse. It's worth the effort. Had this been a normal novel, it might have been much longer and more difficult to suss. As it stands, it's tighter than a noose at noon, with plot and character rewards that will remain in your memory long after you've finished the book. And here's the big deal. When you finish Sharp Teeth, you'll realize that you've just read a great novel in free verse. It needed to be written that way. All those threads needed more careful weaving than the normal superstructure of a novel could support. For The Agony Column, I'm Rick Kleffel. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.